Hello, welcome back to How to Read Out Your Stars. I'm your host, Benjamin Fincher, joined today by Coach Moja, Christian Mojiaso. Did I get that right or did I butcher that? Oh, it's all right. I'm Moja Iso. Moja Iso. Moja Iso. Yeah. Close. I think I put more of a Spanish twist on it. <laughs> Which makes well, sense. it's an African I, name, so it's hard to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I think this is so cool that I get to talk with you because, you know, I've had people from India, I've had people from Australia, uh, New Zealand, England. Um, I know a bunch of people from South America, but I haven't had anyone on the podcast from there. But I've never really had the opportunity to even talk with someone from Africa. So I'm super excited for this episode. Nice. Yeah. So to go ahead and share your bio with the listeners, uh, Coach Moja holds a bachelor degree in pure mathematics, speaks eight languages, is a professional chess player, and has a deep understanding of the science of manifestation. He is an expert at showing people how to convert their intangible dream into physical reality. He works as a live your dream coach which means that he helps his ambitious clients to identify and accomplish their dreams in life. Well, I think that's awesome. And before I ask you just a little bit more about yourself, I had this a uh, couple of weeks ago with a person from New Zealand that they spoke seven languages. And I'm curious if I could guess the eight languages you speak, but I feel like three of them are African dialects. <laughs> Yeah, there's going to be some of them are going to be African languages. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so, so is it three or four African dialects or am I off on that number? Uh, uh, let's see. Let's see. How many African languages do I speak? Oh, I speak three African languages. You're right. Exactly okay. right. You're guessing cool. correctly. I, I tend to be good at guessing, but we'll see how I go on the guessing here. I feel like I'll only be able to get five because I'm not sure if I can name a single African language. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> we got english for one we're talking together yes um i want to guess an asian language but i'm not sure dude do you happen to know chinese yeah okay chinese um spanish yes okay oh really good french yes okay <laughs> So that leaves one more outside the African languages. Unless you're counting French as African, which I don't feel like that would be how you're counting. No, no, that's European, but we speak right? it a lot. In Africa. Yeah, they, they came over there and was like, this is all our land. And you guys were like, uh, excuse us. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Um, ooh. So, so I know one African language i don't know the name of it but it's that clicking language do you happen to know that one no hosa no hosa is spoken in south africa okay yeah, it's it's south africa that's a strange language with clicks yeah it's rare in africa but south africans have a couple of languages with clicks in them okay okay um okay give me a hint on that other one is it european or asian it's european okay italian no german yes okay, <laughs> okay good <laughs> all, right, all right there's enough uh popular languages that have a lot of dominance in the world that it could be kind of easy if you have an idea of those You're but right. 
Yeah, like I said, I don't even think I know any African languages. So what are those other three? Yeah, so the other one is Kiswahili. Okay. Where yeah, where's that one spoken. centered? Yeah, that one's that one's spoken in Kenya, uh, Kenya okay. and Uganda and Tanzania and okay, parts of Congo. Right. And then we have Lingala, which is our local Congolese language. And then we also have Luganda, which is the Ugandan, main Ugandan language. Uh, yeah, because I grew up in all those countries, you know. Okay. Congo, Uganda. Actually, I've been around a lot, right? Because I did like, I was born in Congo, but um, I spent a part of my childhood in Uganda. Then the other part, uh, I spent that in uh, Kenya. Then around high school, uh, I moved to the last years of high school, last two years of high school. I moved to South Africa. Uh, and then I did my college in California, like Claremont, California, Pizza College. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So been around. And I'm from Utah, so, you know, close to California, but also hours away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I feel like this is a good lead in, though. Um, I think one of the questions that, um, especially for someone born, you know, in Africa like yourself, or just another country that's, and I'm going to put this in quotation marks because I don't agree with it fully, but like the lesser developed nations, as it were. Um, English is kind of your ticket to success at that point. So at what age were you able to learn English? Mm, yeah, you're right. And, English, and how much would you agree with that statement? Uh, yes, yes. It, no, it, it really is. Um, because at, at the moment, English is the most powerful language on the planet. Yeah, if you, if you speak English, you'll take it for granted. But uh, I mean, men, like, for example, many of the most important motivational books, most of them are in English. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the developments are done in English. Uh, if you're like me who plays chess, uh, maybe you'll find that a lot if you don't if you don't speak English, then there'll probably be a lot of developments in the field that you'll not be aware of. Mm-hmm. And you might not be, have access to very many really good coaches and so on. So English is absolutely uh, powerful. That's the most powerful language on the planet. Well, luckily, that's part of the reason why my parents moved from Congo to Uganda when I was a kid, okay. because they noticed that there were less opportunities in their po- from their point of view in the French-speaking world, and they thought uh, if, if they took me to the English-speaking world, there'll be more opportunity. So I grew up speaking English from, uh, from a very young age. In fact, like, I think English is my, uh, my primary language. Oh, wow. And that, you, that's awesome. Yeah, you figure out what your primary language is uh, by what language you dream in. That's one way. Yeah. yeah. When you're upset, in what language do your thoughts run automatically? Okay. That tells you which language you're most comfortable with. And yeah, so for me, it's English, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. Well, and to share a little bit there, um, I did a two-year service mission in Peru. So Spanish was the main language there. And what I found interesting is as I you know, fully immersed in that culture. And, you know, hardly anyone outside of us missionaries spoke English well enough to actually have a conversation. And so it got to the point to where I would start to think in Spanish. I can't say I ever had a dream in Spanish, but even that, um, of course, I don't really usually think words 
or dream with words. So there's that. Um, but I want to say that when I would have those moments of getting flustered and really, you know, emotional, I, I think usually I would do it in Spanish. So I kind of shifted my primary language for a little while until I got done with that and came back to the United States. Oh, that's pretty cool. So it was interesting. Right. Definitely not my primary language anymore, but for a time it was. Nice. So were you guys speaking it a lot? <laughs> oh, yeah. All the time, huh? Yeah, like, you, you know, even among the missionaries who we all spoke, not, well, there was missionaries from Peru and missionaries from, like, the United States and even us that were from the States. We would commonly speak in Spanish. And so, you know, we got very immersed. I became very fluent. And I've had people tell me that still I speak fluently, which is exciting because it's been over three years since I haven't been immersed in it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I think that's really cool that your parents took that leap, though, and realized, hey, we want more opportunities. And so they moved to Uganda where um, there's the more English. So from there... You kind of indicated going to high school and going to college, but what what was your path kind of um, to like English was a big part of that. But then beyond that, how did you get into the personal development world to say, hey, I want to better my life and what were your motivations and all that there? Hmm. Yeah, that's actually pretty cool. I don't think I've talked about this particular part on the podcast on a podcast before, but this is good. So um Basically, when I was a kid, I had really big dreams. I wanted to do great stuff in life. You know, um, kids usually dream freely. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember once I read a book. Uh, I mean, he became a politician now, but uh, before he was a politician, Ben Carson used to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. So uh, a neurosurgeon who did really great stuff in neurosurgery. I don't know about his politics, but his neurosurgery was revolutionary. Uh, and he wrote a book, Think Big, uh, Gifted Hands. And my dad bought me that book when I was a kid. And I, he was talking about how uh, I think he became a neurosurgeon at Johns Hopkins at age 33, performed the first hemispherectomy, which is like if somebody's one hemisphere of one person's brain is messed up, we remove that half of the brain. He was the first person to do that surgery. So, so I mean, like as a the kid, whole half of the brain. Yes. And he discovered Whoa. that <laughs> kids' brains are plastic, he said. So even if you remove one half, the other half takes over the function of the half that was removed. Right. Wow. So he was, he was the first person to perform one of these and now they're routine. So my dad bought me that book when I was a, when I was a kid, maybe elementary school. And I was, uh, I mean, I read the book and I was so excited, you know. It got me dreaming and imagining all sorts of possibilities. I thought, maybe I'll become a doctor. That, that's what I was thinking. Uh, no, but it didn't really stick, but that's what I was thinking. And I remember I got so excited that I did not know that uh, you need to study long for long years to become a doctor. I thought you could just become one now. <laughs> so in school, we had these compositions. Uh, basically, they were teaching us how to write essays. So it would be like a 40-minute English essay. And since I'd been reading about his surgeries, I thought I could write about a surgery I've done. 
right? So I did, uh-huh. <laughs> so so I did my essay on neurosurgery and like describing some sort of hemispherectomy or something using big medical words. <laughs> And uh, it never occurred to me at all that uh, you, you can't do this because uh, you're, not a, you're not a doctor yet. But no, I believed everything was, was possible. That's a kid's attitude. It's right. only later to tell me, no, 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 you, 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 you got to do a lot, a long process. It's going to take years to do it. Yeah, you can't just decide the neurosurgeon today and it happens. No. Yeah, all the adults right. that are like, yeah, well, nice dreams, but let's put them in a box and put them in the back. Dude, Correct. Put, put that away. Like, you can't do that. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's become realistic. You're a kid, well, maybe we'll let you dream, but you got to come into the real world, they say. Yeah. So w- when I was a kid, I always had big dreams. Like I would always see myself doing great stuff in life. Um, but, I mean, I didn't really know how to accomplish my dreams. Um and I always used to fall short of my big uh, imagination. Like I have this big dream, but I'm, I'm performing way below what I should be doing. Um, and I remember just, um, so there, there was a thought I wanted to bring out. I just, I just missed it. Um, right. So I, I didn't have the, the, I didn't know how to be disciplined, how to be motivated, how to do what it takes to achieve my dream. And uh, at some point I learned this whole idea of intelligence that some people are born geniuses and other people are ordinary and other people are imbeciles. This is, Oh, can I say that also? Or I'm not sure. We're, we're talking um, big quotation marks, maybe, or just, we're talking labels. We're talking labels. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> all right. All right. So there was, um, yeah. So basically there's some, when I was a kid and I was interested, you know, can I achieve, do I have the potential to achieve these big dreams? Now I think that's a stupid question, but at the time I didn't know this. Uh-huh. I was like, no, no. So I was like, I wasn't sure. So I, I, I kept reading up and I heard that, you know, some people are born geniuses and others were born average and other people were born more mediocre level. You know, the, the psychologists of the past used to label people imbeciles. Mm-hmm. Right? So, and basically, according to the theory, you had to find out where you belong, right? right. It was so like an IQ test, right? Yes, yes. You got to find out where you belong. So if you're, if you're below average, right, an imbecile, then you can't hope for much, you know? Just accept that this is your station in life. And if you're an average person, then you could, should aspire for average things. And if you're an exceptional person, uh, a genius, then uh, you're the only kind of person who can do great stuff, right? So this, this was an idea that was brought to us in the education system. And I remember when I was in, when I was in high school, they used to praise, we used to praise and look up to kids who would achieve great academic performance with, apparently without studying. So if you had to study and put in effort and everybody saw you reading, that was not so impressive. Uh, the most impressive thing was uh, you don't do any work and you just get the best, the best grades. And that was, that was really, the, the, that's a genius, you know? If you have to work at it, you know, you're not really a genius and you can't do much in life. You, know, you gotta adjust your expectations to more average expectations. Right. This was kind of, the mentality, right? The, the mentality I, I grew up with. So I, I wanted to know, well, where do I fall? You know, I have these big dreams, but maybe I'm not a genius. In which case, uh, maybe I should just, uh, maybe should I stop dreaming this big and just 
kind of be normal and so on. So th this is where my uh, my search for intelligence came in. Uh, this is where my, my, that's where I began to think about personal development. So for a long time as a kid, it had never occurred to me that basically you, you can develop your intelligence. Mm -hmm. That I'd, I'd never made the connection. I think kids have, a, have difficulty making the connection between, yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I feel like a lot of us don't realize that for the longest time. And some people die never knowing, yeah, you can improve your intelligence. You can improve your brain power, your mindset. Correct. And uh, yes, there's a huge connection between practice and results. That you can start out really being terrible at something. And if you just practice persistently, correctly over time, you could do stuff that is remarkable. I'd never made the link between practice and extraordinary performance. Because all I was taught in school, the mentality was, hey, uh, some people were born smart and others weren't. So I had to figure out, hey, am I smart or not? And what's my future? And then I think one thing that really helped me was when I was in high school, I, I got a book by um, Malcolm Gladwell, his book called Outliers. Um, it's about extraordinary performance. Okay. I really just, because I, I always wanted to be an extraordinary person. And in this book, uh, he talked about the 10,000 hour rule. I don't necessarily agree with this stuff anymore, but at the time it was inspiring. And the 10,000 hour rule said, uh, an ordinary person with no nothing extraordinary about his talents can start at any field and within 10,000 years of practice can accomplish extraordinary things in the field. Mm -hmm. So he talked about baseball players who start out average, or Bill Gates, before he created uh, software and so on, had spent 10,000 hours programming and so on. So this inspired me a lot because I realized, oh, wait. I mean, this whole business of trying to figure out if I'm a genius or not and trying to be perfect is not necessary. But even if it doesn't matter, the question is irrelevant. If I just put in the work and put in my 10,000 hours, I can I can... I can become a genius. I can perform at a genius level. Right. So that was very eye-opening to me. And I think that's oh, where really sure. my journey, in, yeah, that's where my journey in personal development uh, mm. began. Of course, it took a couple of years before I finally understood uh, what was happening. Right now, I understand it's not really about the 10,000 hours. It's something entirely different. But then later, I got into certain books like... Um, I mean, the most transformational for me was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, and another book, um, and, and another uh, seminar called The Born Rich Seminar by Bob Proctor. Right. So okay. yeah. I decided to study those books, seriously study them. Uh, not, not, you know, there's a difference between reading and studying. I, dis I, I make that distinction. Most people read books and they pride on themselves on reading many books. But few people study yeah so my approach yeah well i was just gonna say kind of like bob proctor um he got the the science of getting rich is that the title of it by wallace waddles yes wallace d waddles i love i've read that book I've, I've studied that book i didn't read it i yeah, studied it, it well over a couple it, of months yeah and bob proctor got that book and he studied that book for years I think, uh, yeah, and, and Think and Grow Rich as well. I think he's, he's been studying Think and Grow Rich daily for 60 years. Or something yeah, crazy. it seems like he's been doing that one too. 
I yes. got his seminar, the the secret behind getting rich, or however the title of that one is. And that the science one, of getting rich. Still, the the science of getting rich. Yeah, the science of getting rich. And that one for me opened up my mind to a lot of things. And it was like, whoa. I mean, one of the ones I remember is he says in it, you know, we don't go to lunch at 12 because we're hungry. We go to lunch at 12 because that's what everyone does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. to be honest, that was kind of one of the more simpler concepts he put out there, but it was still one of those, oh, hey, that's a paradigm challenge like challenging my paradigm my worldview and saying hey let's open up that mind a little bit more yes yes i think that, that that's important that's what uh, i mean that's what those that's what led to a huge shift for me uh, the question of being a genius out of i mean it became irrelevant like i told you before before i used to think before doing something i'd ask myself can i do it uh, is it possible for me? Do I have the necessary intelligence or skills? What mm-hmm. if it doesn't happen? And now all those questions are disregarded quickly. Right? I don't ask those kinds of questions. The question I ask is, do I want it? And so if you talk to any successful person, that's what they do. Not is it possible, but do I want it? Of course it's possible. Of course I can do it. It's just, do I want it? Right? And uh, this is because the reason we, it seems so reasonable to ask this question is it possible maybe i need to be practical but that question comes from ignorance not understanding how the mind works like if you maybe at any high school pretty much like you no know, or university they have guidance counselors who are supposed to help you figure out your career and if you go to them they will tell you uh they will look at your previous performance right? say you go to a guidance counselor and say i want to be an engineer so be like, okay, bring me your report card. So it's like, uh, let's see how you did in physics and math. And I'd say, okay, you're a mediocre math student, mediocre physics student. Uh, yeah, so it's not realistic uh, to dream of being an engineer. Uh, but I saw you had good English scores. Why don't you become a journalist, right? You got to be practical. You got to look at the past and use it to assess what is realistically possible for you in the future. This, this sounds so reasonable, so scientific, but it's the way of, the, it's the way of average people. Yeah. Extraordinary people do not think that way. Right? Um, someone who understands the mind knows that you can achieve anything you can imagine. And uh, if you don't have the grades, you can attract the correct grades. If you don't have the talent, you can attract the correct talent. If you don't know what to do, you can attract people who know how to do it. Right. And it all starts with just having a clear image of what you want and believing that image, regardless of what the evidence tells you. So it's, uh, it's funny because you know, like I, I, mean, I have a degree in math, so I have mm-hmm. a very scientific type background. Right. So we're always told to believe in the evidence and to be practical. <laughs> which is useful. I'm not going to say it's, it's right. very useful. Right, like, useful. Yes, my, 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 my mentality is a plan should be practical and reasonable, but a goal or a dream should never be. Oh, yeah. Right. So, well, so as a, I think it's like a 13 or 14 year old, I was actually introduced to this idea at a youth camp. Uh, if you have a vision 
and they didn't do these hands gestures I'm doing with you here, but I have since added onto it where like I'm holding my hands out like a yoga ball. So you have a vision, it's this huge idea. And that comes from a dream, which is like an ethereal cloud. That dream you can compile into a vision. And then within that vision, you have like basketball sized goals. And then those goals, you make up baseball and golf ball sized plans. Correct. And Correct. the key, the, the biggest part of that, it, well, one of the biggest parts of that is just getting that dream from that ethereal cloud into a condensed vision that yes, you can yes. visualize all of it. Most people skip the first steps. They don't dream. Like I've done this because I work with many people and I've done this where I'll ask someone, uh, okay, almost always they start with, hey, what do you want? Tell me what you really want in life. Just what's your dream? And almost always people write what they think is possible. Mm-hmm. Adults, especially. Um, they always write what they think is. I tell them, I, I explicitly tell them, please don't be practical. Don't be realistic. Don't be reasonable. Don't tell me what you think you can get. Just tell me what you want. Right. And then their brain just starts going into panic mode because that's what it's been running on for the past 20 years plus. <laughs> So yeah, the fear, you're right. The fear kicks in quickly and they still will write practical stuff. Right? Almost, so almost always whatever they give me as their first draft, their first draft for the, their first draft for their dream, I, I say, this is not a dream. This is not a dream. I say, look, there's a difference between a dream and a goal. I mean, a dream, a proper dream should be something that scares the heck out of you. <laughs> yeah. You should have no idea how to do it and it should be the sort of thing that if you showed it to somebody else they'd start thinking you've lost contact with reality and you should go to a mental asylum so only then can i consider you to have a dream if if, if those conditions are met so this is what i do with anybody i work with I get them to break contact with reality quickly, go back to a childlike state, tell me what you want. And uh, because Maybe I, I need a dream a little bit bigger stuff. then. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> right. So that's the dreaming part. Forget about how to do it. Just what do you want? What do you really want? Forget about if it's ever been done before. What is it? Or anybody in your family has ever done it. That's irrelevant. What do you want? So that's the first step. And then this was, I mean, everybody has their own, I guess, uh, tendencies. So ever since I was a kid, I mean, I was beaten by life in many ways, but I never became truly practical. Thank goodness. I don't know how I managed that. But my entire life, I can't think of a single point where I stopped being kind of very fantasy childlike in terms of what I thought was possible. Mm-hmm. I always kind of, I always kind of imagine myself doing big unrealistic things, and I never really stopped. Right, even after like, even uh, even through you know adulthood uh, phases, or well, sometimes I'd get bad grades in school, but I'd still dream of doing something great in the same area and so on. Yeah. Yes, and then later I realized actually, you don't need when you you don't need any evidence 
to achieve a, a dream, not really. You don't need to look into the past to figure out if it has ever been done because um, basically the dream itself is the evidence that it can be done. Right. That's strange, right? Uh, because you see like a dream, an idea is a seed. It really it is. It's just that we are in, in nature, we have physical seeds and we have spiritual seeds. When I say spiritual, I don't mean to be religious. I just mean a seed, a seed that cannot be seen. An idea cannot really be seen. It's, it's in a different kind of realm. Mm -hmm. uh, so one thing to understand when one starts to study the mind and try to apply the ideas is that an idea is every much as seed as a physical seed is. And when you have a physical seed, right? Uh, like let's say a corn seed, Right. There are certain principles you must follow. If you follow those principles, the corn seed will always grow, unless the corn seed is defective in some way. But every farmer knows if I get this corn seed and I put it in the right soil and I take away the weeds and I water it every day and I make sure that it's not like in the shadow of some tree, right? I make sure that it has access to sunlight. If I do all these things, the seed will always grow and it's going to grow. Maybe in 50 days, it will sprout out or something to germinate. Now, the water for a, an idea is not really, it's, it's, it's different now. The water of an idea or a spiritual seed is attention, energy. Oh. Different, correct. That makes so, a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The moment you pay attention, the more attention you pay to an idea, the more you're pushing it into physical form. And... For example, and uh, there, there are certain things, let's say, may, maybe I can ask you this. How often do you think about, how often do you have ideas about, let's say, you know, some mathematics? How often do you think about math on a daily basis? Is that a common occurrence? Daily, not too common, but several times a week. Okay, okay. I, I'm one of those weird kids that... All right, all right. I hated math all growing up. And then in my teen years, I was like, wait a second, I only hate math because everyone else hates math. And it was a stereotype and I caught it and it was just like, bye. And now I enjoy it. <laughs> all right. How about cricket? How often do you have ideas about cricket? Cricket is in the thing that we all think is baseball here in the US. <laughs> right, right. So not is, right? often. Like, not often. Yes, yes, yes. And the reason you don't attract ideas related to cricket is because you're not really, you're not, you don't really pay attention to, to cricket. It's not something, you don't direct your energy towards cricket. Like, let's say today you decided for some reason, look, you want to be, I don't know, a great cricket commentator. You set the goal today. You want to do that. Now, now you've gotten that clear idea. I want to be a commentator for cricket. And you've paid attention to it, means which means you're you're feeding it with an idea. You're feeding it with energy. Right? It's like watering a seed. Mm -hmm. The moment you do that, you're gonna start to attract ideas related to uh, being a being a cricket commentator. Ideas related to cricket. Suddenly, you'll get the idea. Maybe I should travel to India. Right? Oh, maybe it's from I should. Cricket, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's not from India. It's not from India, but the Indians are very good at it. Okay, okay. So yeah, I always think England, but, but I, I, think I know so little. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. But 
the moment you set that as your intention was the seed and you start paying attention to it, it starts to grow in your mind. Suddenly you're gonna attract ideas related to that. And you might find yourself looking at the cricket channels on your TV station, right? Or you might start looking at interviews from uh, cricket stars and so on, right? All those ideas start coming to your mind, which is evidence of the seed growing because you've begun to water it with, with energy. So this, this is exactly how it works. Just like you're guaranteed, a farmer is guaranteed that a good corn seed put in the right environment is going to grow. It's the same with an idea in the human mind. If you have the idea and it's clear and you follow the right uh, principles, the right conditions, the seed must grow. So you don't even need to look at physical evidence at all. Right. And to throw another thought into that mix, uh, some people might come up with the objection or doubt of, well, wait, how do I know if it's a good seed or a bad seed? And hmm. the answer there is, okay, well, it will not propagate other ideas surrounding it, and you'll quickly forget about it if it's a bad seed. And, you know, if it's a good seed, it'll stick around. If it's a bad seed, you know, it'll get tossed out. Well, another way to look at a yeah, another way to look at a seed is um, is it clear? Right? How do you know a seed is good or bad? Is it a clear? Is it a clear image? That's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Most people don't have clear goals, or most people don't have their dream documented somewhere on a piece of paper in detail. That's not a that's not a common thing. In in fact, that's one of the things. Um, I think this guy called Earl Nightingale, he said, uh, if you ask, let's say out of 20 people, if you ask them, why do you wake up in the morning? Which means what's your purpose for waking up? 19 out of 20 have no idea. Most mm -hmm. people are not accustomed, right? Not accustomed to figuring out exactly what they want. Right? But as, as you see, a seed, a seed has to be very specific. Like see, a corn seed is specific. Let's say a mango seed is very specific. It well, will never you can get more orange. specific too that you have a purple corn seed or a yellow corn seed or a chicken feed corn seed or a sweet corn seed. Like Correct. Very and each specific. of them has a specific pattern, right? A corn seed is never going, going to grow into a mango tree. No, never. Mm -hmm. uh, and the leaves are going to be just so. Uh, the, the, the tree, the branches are going to be just so. The height is going to be just so. The fruits are going to have exactly this taste. A physical seed is always very specific. In fact, if it gets defective, then it becomes unclear and nothing can come out of it. But it's the same with a spiritual seed, an idea. must It must be specific. When it's specific, then it can start to grow. Like for most people, you ask, hey, what do you, what do you want to do in life? They say... Uh, I want to make the world a better place. This is completely useless, right? It, there's no specificity to it. Such people, after setting, after setting this as their goal, go return to the couch, eat potato chips, and watch The Bachelorette. There's no motivation to do it. There's no motivation to do anything, all right? <laughs> that is so vague. I, I, I know it. some people like that. Yes. I some people struggle with motivation. Yes, yes, yes. For many people, right, their struggle with motivation is because they don't have a clear seed. They don't have a clear objective. It's not 
the moment, I mean, the moment you clearly define what you want, motivation also comes from it. Because you've paid so much attention to this thing, the desire grows, right? Attention, like uh, desire or motivation is born out of attention as well. So this, this is how advertisements work. Like, I mean, oh, what's yeah. the latest version of iPhone, right? I honestly couldn't tell you. That's how little attention I pay to that one. <laughs> right. Let's say. <laughs> but let's, let's say, um, yeah. one example I can share is um, there's like four or five billboards each way on my 20 minute drive to work each day um, for this particular lawyer that is a accident lawyer or attorney or however. Um, but this attorney firm, there's like four or five each direction. And they all have a very emotion-evoking um, state of a car. And what I mean by that is like, it's been wrecked, it's been upside down, it's been crashed with another car or something. And, you know, personally, I see that and I'm like, okay, my car is whole and complete. I'm driving safely. The people around me are driving safely. I will reach my destination safely where most other people just start to have that go in their head and it propagates that thought and they end up in a crash and they're like, oh, who do I call? Oh, the person that planted the idea in my head, which I think is kind of shady, but then again, that's how advertising works. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. The, that one in particular, I think is shady. Yeah, so yeah, that's correct. So like, um... The way advertisements get you to the way, basically companies by advertising to you can make you want something that you, you don't really want. Mm -hmm. They can create a desire out of the blue. Like you're perfectly comfortable with your genes until they show you uh, the newest version. Yeah. And then maybe you see some pretty girl wearing it uh, and you pay so much attention to these new genes that all of a sudden you want them and you can't live without them. And some people will go into debt to get them, et cetera. Right. The, the, the company knows how to manufacture desires out of the blue. And it's just by getting you to pay attention. Whatever you pay attention, a lot of attention to that becomes a desire. The desire just grows automatically, even if it's something you hate. I mean, there's a line in Think and Grow Rich about, um, the first time people come into contact with violence, right? They hate it. And then after a while of being in more and more contact with violence, they begin to tolerate it. And then after more and more contact, they embrace it. Right? It's like, oh, this is the way to be. Right? That's, that's a product of attention. You, you can love yeah. something you hate it if you keep paying attention to it. Well, and, and that's where it's interesting that Mother Teresa said, I will not attend an anti-war rally, but invite me to a pro-peace rally and I'm there. Correct. Correct. Because if you pay attention to, if you're at an anti-war rally, all you're paying attention to is war. The more you pay attention to the war, the more you desire it, the more you're going to perpetuate it. If for no other reason than to be able to complain about it. Mm -hmm. So this is... It, People do these kinds of stuff because they have no understanding of the mind uh, and how it works, right? Because the mind has two parts, right? There's the conscious and the subconscious. So it's the subconscious mind that does things. The conscious mind can't do anything at all. It just gives instructions. 
So for example, if you want to stand up, your conscious mind will send the instruction, hey, let me get up. You'll get an image in your mind of you standing. It goes by really fast, you might not see it, but there's an image, an intention to stand up. It's very specific. Then, but, but the you don't consciously do all that it takes to stand up. Imagine all the details that are involved in standing up. Yeah, Maybe moving you gotta, both of my hands at specific angles, yes. pushing away from the desk, reaching onto the armchair, moving all of my limbs simultaneously, and then planting my feet firmly on the ground while finishing to push the chair out from underneath me. I don't consciously yes. think of all that until we're in an example like this. <laughs> correct, correct. It's too much. And there's a lot of stuff you haven't even mentioned, like on the cellular level. Right, <laughs> that you definitely know nothing about. Right, there right? is so much that was just yeah. washed over there. Correct, correct. So those are not being controlled by your conscious mind. It's the subconscious that does the work. The conscious just sends instructions to the subconscious, right? Um, why did we bring this up? I've forgotten. Um, we were talking about attention. And so... You might have been going yes, in the direction correct, of correct. your conscious directs where your attention goes, but your subconscious grabs onto it with an iron grasp and just, yes. let's go with this. And if you want to get anything done, you really got to cooperate with your subconscious. And the subconscious speaks a different language from the conscious mind. The conscious mind speaks in terms of logic, practicality, uh, it, 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 it can listen to comparisons, you know, analogies and blah, blah, blah. The conscious mind listens to it. It's another word for the conscious mind is the educated mind. When we went to school, all the, the, all the data they taught us, biology, et cetera, all these ideas and concepts were in the conscious mind. This is why behavior never changed. Right. right? Because the, the subconscious, you don't talk to the subconscious mind using logic. The subconscious mind uh, you talk to it in terms of your attention, what you pay attention to. So, for example, if I want to succeed, if I, I know, if, let's say I want to be rich, I want to be rich, but I keep looking at, I keep paying attention to poverty, thinking about poverty and how there's so much poverty in the country, et cetera. It might seem logical to do this. Like if I understand poverty, then I understand riches. Sure, that's logical, but you're talking to the conscious. Right? If you keep looking at thinking about poverty and complaining about the government, etc., the subconscious says, oh, you're paying attention to poverty. It means you must want poverty. So it's going to look for ways to make sure that your life is filled with more and more poverty, which becomes frustrating. Consciously, you say, hey, I want to be rich, but why do I keep Inter having poor my why are my friends poor why is it that uh, i don't see any opportunities why is it that every time for go i go for an interview they just for some reason reject me blah 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 yeah and, and it's my because car breaks down as i'm trying to get there yes 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 <laughs> yes, yes so when people do these things of going to an anti-something rally anti-war rally they don't understand how their mind works they don't realize that by paying so much attention to war they cannot create anything else but more war. Right. Yeah. And I like how you say that it's paying attention that speaks to your subconscious. And one way I've heard it detailed, and 
I think you might have actually mentioned this in the questionnaire, but it's energy. Um, the more energy you put towards it. And I'd heard that previously in either repetition or intensity. But ultimately, it comes down to energy. How much energy are you putting towards it? And that we call that paying attention. But how yes. much energy are you putting towards it? Are you giving it large spikes? Or are you giving it a constant stream? Or are you giving it zilch? Correct. And, and actually, that, that's, that's, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I was just going to give another example. Um, you were talking about, you know, we'd notice things as we're growing up and as we're going throughout our day. As a kid, I found space fascinating, like outer space. I was just like, whoa, this is so cool. And, you know, I wasn't as into it as my dad was with certain elements of it. But now that I'm older, you know, one of my goals is to go into outer space. And uh, when I first came up with that goal, it was either just before, just after commercial space flight was even being talked about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, nothing had been built yet. There was no SpaceX at the time. There's no Blue uh, Origin or Virgin Galactic. Like none of these companies even existed at the time. And I was just like, yeah, I'm going to go into outer space. No idea how, but you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get myself into a position where I can afford it and it's going to be coming up. And you know, that originated from paying attention as a kid to space and it fought it, uh, flowered into that desire that I now have that ultimately that will culminate in going into outer space i don't know when but i will yeah, yeah. it kind of scares the heck out of me but you know it'll be secure and safe by the time that happens <laughs> yeah that's right that's right you're, you're you're highlighting an important point right so i think you know seeds we said before an idea or a dream is a seed right so long as right. it's a clear idea it's, it's a seed now, every seed, physical seeds have a gestation period, the time it takes for them to, you know, get planted and then germinate, let's say, right. like the gestation period, a human being is a seed also, right, combination, we started out as just uh, one seed, combination of sperm and ovum, something like this, and then a seed came out of it, and from that seed, the human, the physical human grew, right, and the gestation period for a human being is nine months. Right. So from conception until germination, getting out of the mother's womb, nine months and different. Uh, and if you check a mango has its own gestation period, which is known, uh, bananas, everything has a, every seed we know of has a gestation period. I think carrot is 70 days. So a farmer knows if he puts a carrot in the ground and he puts and he does the right things, 70 days later, a carrot will come out of it. Right. But... Uh, in exactly in the same way, uh, ideas also have a gestation period. So, for example, if I wanted to stand up from my chair right now, that's an idea. And the gestation period is like a few seconds. I just think it and it happens. I'm up. Right. The idea is just germinated in like a few seconds. Or to snap but, your fingers. Correct. What's the gestation period to finish high school? Four years, because we know about it. But Unless the, you do some intense changes to 
the seed. <laughs> yes, yes. Right, you could, yes. You could do it faster, right? Correct. Um, or slower, of course. Right. Uh, so, but this, this is the, I like the attitude you just pointed out, right? You have an image of yourself going into outer space. You don't know when it's going to happen, right? Some seeds we know, with physical seeds, we know the gestation period. With spiritual seeds, we don't always know. But yeah. here's a fact. If you hold on to that image and you believe it no matter what, it's going to happen. We just don't know when. Right? I'm going to go to space. I just don't know when it's going to happen. But it is definitely going to happen. If, if you can hold that attitude, you'll definitely go to space. And if you hold that attitude with anything, it must happen. Right. The problem is most people are bad farmers. Right? Uh, like imagine that I don't know that corn seeds grow. I've never grown corn before and I don't have the internet. And I'm a farmer, I wanna grow corn. So it would be nice to see what this corn, this strange looking seed grows into, I don't know. But maybe let's say it turns out that it takes 50 days for corn to germinate. I don't know what the gestation period of corn is. Let's say it's 50 days. I put it in the ground and then I water it the first day. And, I, and then I come to where I'm like, hey, nothing's growing, you know? I water it the second day. After 10 days, hey, nothing's growing. Uh, yeah, this is a waste of my time. I'm going to quit. Right. That's a bad farmer. A good because farmer it's knows. just before yeah. it sprouts. Yes, yes, exactly. Sometimes you, sometimes people will quit. Uh, there's a part in Think and Grow Rich about quitting three feet from gold. Yeah. I, I, a guy went, uh, a guy, uh, I think it was in America. America yeah, it was guys. during the gold rush. Gold rush, exactly. So the guy went digging, he borrowed money from his relatives and they saw a vein of gold and they kept following it. The more they dug, the more excited they got, the more their hopes went up. And then suddenly the vein disappeared. Right. And then they got frustrated and they quit. And the guy sold his piece of land or whatever the mind they were doing because it was useless. And, so and the equipment. And the equipment, yes, to some, I, I think there was a junk man or something like this, right? Uh, just not like a qualified person in any way, not like an engineer or anything, just a- um, yeah, just, just a someone willing to buy it. Yes, 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 correct. And it was someone with no huge education, but he had a different attitude. Mm-hmm. so what he did was he called an expert a surveyor to check it out yeah i really like and this story he turned, and the surveyor was like hey you know this guy's uh sometimes the vein disappears but if you do blah 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 it can reappear again and then the surveyor told him exactly where to check it turns out the gold was three feet away from the where the other guy had quit yeah but that's that's an understanding uh just like a good farmer knows if I keep watering this seed, it will eventually germinate. Understand that the ideas and dreams are exactly the same, they're just seeds. And if I keep watering it, which means if I keep paying attention to it, it will eventually germinate, it must. If I, if I thought it might take me a year and it hasn't happened after a year, the solution is not to quit. The solution is to keep paying attention. It's like, oh, I got the gestation period wrong. I thought my business will be running after a year, but it's not. I'm not going to pack it in. I'm just going to keep going because I know that, okay, so the gestation period is not one year. Maybe it's two years. Who knows? 
you know? Yeah. And if I go with this attitude, it will happen. It must, because it's a seed. A seed must germinate. One other thought tying here as well, and it kind of ties both of these examples you just used of the gold mine and of the corn seed that you don't know how to germinate. Let's say, and this relates back to our spiritual seeds or our ideas, our dreams, uh, and you saying like people are generally bad farmers when it comes to spiritual seeds. You can go to someone and say, hey, I have this corn seed. I just planted it 10 days ago. Do you think it'll work? What do I need to do? If you go to the wrong person, they might come over and be like, oh, I tried that. And they go and stomp on it. And they're like, yeah, it didn't work. Let me just fix it for you. And they just smush it all. And they kill whatever seed was there. Like, no, nah, no, nah, that doesn't work. I tried that. I, I did it for 11 days. It didn't work yet. Don't, don't waste your time on this corn. Smash, smash, smash. And they kill it. Yeah. This is correct. Or if you go to an expert or someone who has already experienced that same seed you're trying to achieve or similar or similar, it doesn't have to be the exact. If it's exact, awesome. They know the steps. If it's similar, they have the attitude that's correct and say, hey, got this seed here. Uh, what do I do with this? And they'll come along and say, yo, you are like, right. You're, you're so close. Just keep at it, keep watering it, keep paying attention to it, keep doing what you need to with it, and it'll sprout. And then, you know, if they've done it before, if they've, made, if they've planted corn before and had it germinate, they'll be like, okay, these are the steps after this point, watch out for these things. And they're that expert, like that gold story, right? And yeah. oftentimes we're very bad with who we qualify to assess our dreams. I don't tell everyone I meet I'm going to go into space because they can yes. come along and smash that seed. And, yes. you know, as yes. much as I believe in it, there could be someone out there that knows just the right way to target that seed to kill it. And I don't want that. I'm, I'm going to go into space. And part of that is for me to know who to talk with that idea about. This, this, this is absolutely right. So you have the correct attitude here. Um, Yes, yeah, so in, in society, we talk a lot, be, a lot about being open-minded. Uh, it's also important to be closed-minded. You gotta, both concepts are important. Yes. Right? So- To know which one to put in which category. Yes, yes, yes. Who, uh, so for example, my default attitude is to be closed-minded regarding what most people say. Most people, I don't really, like I will listen to them, but I exercise my will by rejecting almost everything they say, especially about success, because they have no idea how to succeed. They, they live up, almost everybody's like, they live average lives that they don't like. Most people settle, they never really, they give up on their dream, they're being practical, they're not going anywhere because they don't even have a clear set of goals, but they're always ready to give you advice on how to succeed. Right. So before I used to listen to all the advice, that's why I went nowhere. Then I discovered, no, actually, I should be very selective about who I listen to. Right. So most people, like if someone is poor and they're talking to me about uh, money, 
my radar, my, my alert, my level of alertness is up. My spine is erect. I am paying a, a lot of attention to what they're saying and making sure they don't install wrong ideas. Right. So if they start talking about how the economy is hard, in my mind, I say, oh, I reject that. I, I won't tell them that. It's kind of rude. But in my mind, I'll say, oh, I reject that. Uh, they talk about how it's difficult to make money. I reject that. Or they talk about how rich people are evil. I reject that idea. I have to be super alert. So most people I don't actually listen to. I don't. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's well, considered... You yeah. listen a lot better than most people while letting it go in one year and back out that same year. Don't, yeah. It doesn't get a pass through the mind. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm, I, I, yeah, I, this, this is a, a basic condition for failure, which is not, not standing guard of one's own subconscious. Like, if I tell you an idea and you don't question it, it goes straight into the subconscious. And the subconscious controls all of your behavior. If you don't reject it, you accept it. There's no, there's no, there's, there's no alternatives. Accept or reject. You, you've not rejected it. You've accepted it. So that's why it's important. You're right to be in the right environment. Right? In Think and Grow Rich, this is called the mastermind principle. Is that right? the you want to surround yourself? Hang around. Yes, yes, yes. It's kind of like your environment is very important. Just like any seed needs good soil. The people you hang around with are like kind of the soil for your dream. The people you read, whose videos you watch, etc. You know, and the, the attitude has to shift from accepting everything to rejecting almost everything. So most people, I don't, I, I don't really listen to what they gotta tell me. Their opinions reject, reject, reject. I'm on reject mode for most people. And then there's a few people who know what they're doing, and I'm on accept mode, totally receptive. So, for example, if Bob Proctor is speaking, almost everything he says is good, is, is good for my seed. So I, I can go on autopilot with Bob. Like I can listen to Bob and like I, maybe I can, I can play a video of Bob and maybe be taking a walk where I'm not so alert. Because I know even if I was not paying attention, whatever I installed there was good anyway. Yeah. There's people like that. But those people are rare. There's few, unfortunately, there's few people like that. Yeah. And yet, in some ways, I feel like more and more are popping up because there's more people realizing, hey, there needs to be a constant stream of good people can listen to. There's people doing the opposite route too, which is, like you said, unfortunate. But hey, I got a question for you. You watch TV? Yes. Yes? Do, do, do you watch TV? No, I don't watch TV. Uh, uh, how long? How long haven't you watched TV? It's, it's been a while. So there's a TV in the house. Uh, it's not really, it's, it's more like for relatives if they want to check stuff out. So if I'm, let's say, passing by, walking by, I might see what's on the screen. But I don't spend time watching TV. What I have is the internet instead, right? So YouTube. Right. right? So before I never, I never really watched much TV, but I used to watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. Uh, now I still do when I have time, but I'm very selective about what I watch. Yeah. So for example, there was a time when for about maybe two to three months, I just, I only listened to Bob Proctor. I only watched Bob Proctor's YouTube videos. It's kind of like going on a, a kind of fast. 
you know, even successful people should not always be listened to. This is strange, perhaps, yes. but successful people generally don't know why they succeeded. So that when they talk to you about how they, why they succeeded, they're, they're wrong. What they're saying is incomplete. It's strange. Like, um, for example, if you ask many successful people, how do you get to where, where you are? They'll tell you, oh, I got here by hard, hard work. Right, say just hard work. That's how I got here. Put in but, your hours uh, and do it. <laughs> yes, yes, but it doesn't work that way. Otherwise, bricklayers and maids who are after riches would be very rich. If you talk right. about hard work, right? Like, 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 like the maid who works at my house comes at. Um, then she she'll come at work maybe what at six a.m. seven a.m. And she's going to work till like 5 p.m. or 6 p.m., something like this. She works very hard. I wake up at 7.30. I don't work anywhere near as hard as she does on business. But I make way more money than she does. Right? It's clearly not because I'm working harder. It's not that. Right? So that's why, like, if somebody doesn't know why they're succeeding and they succeed, you know, okay, there's a natural tendency among humans when somebody succeeds, you believe everything they say. Celebrities. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Everything they say. Yeah? So, but the thing is, it's, it's rare to find somebody who consciously studied success, consciously understood the principles of how the mind works and is doing things deliberately. They know exactly what principles they're applying. Such yeah. a person can tell you why they succeeded and you should listen. Yeah, but most but people don't know. Yeah, why? That's one of the reasons I like Brendan Burchard because he studied it out and because he studied it, he figured it out and now can share it with other people. Bob Proctor did the same thing. He's just yes. like, hey, how do you be successful? And now he knows and now he teaches it. And there are more people out there. Like you said, they're, they're not exactly, you know, in every corner. You got to seek them out. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like I've seen a I've seen a guy who's like, um, I think he's probably a billionaire or millionaire, um, talking about competition, and how he's always up at uh, he's always up at night thinking of how the competition is going to take him out, uh, right? And uh, basically, yeah, you gotta you gotta be worried about the competition, think about the competition all the time. So the guy is a millionaire. So, you know, obviously, obviously people are going to listen to what he's saying there. But I mean, just, just from my own experience, the guy has succeeded in spite of this, not because of it. Right. right. Because, right. So if you're constantly worried about who's going to take you out and how, the, how people could destroy up. your business. And uh, yeah, exactly. This is, that's why if somebody succeeds, you got to look at not everything they did was correct. They succeeded in spite of certain things. Like a good example is a coach. Uh, what's his name? Firas Zahabi is an MMA coach. Okay. And uh, he was talking about how Muhammad Ali used to do a lot of things. And I think one of the things he used to do was to jump rope. Right. And people, because Muhammad Ali was the greatest boxer in many people's eyes, people thought, well, whatever he does must be correct and necessary for boxing. Not true. Not true. Muhammad Ali used to skip rope, so I got to skip rope. No, not at all. Maybe 
because keeping Rob was not really essential to his success. Right? It's just that he did many of the correct things and certain things that weren't necessary or counterproductive. And it all worked out because the good stuff compensated for it. Right. But you got to work with somebody who not, has not only succeeded, but they also know exactly why they succeeded. That way, they, they, they know the right formula, the right combination of ideas that uh, produce results. Yeah. So that's why like, I went on a fast like this. I didn't listen to anybody but Bob, because Bob fits the two criteria. He's successful. He knows why. Yeah. And when I did that, my life changed. Right? Just everything about me changed. I began to accomplish things that I've never been able to accomplish before. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I know. Like I'll be at work and I work with stained glass. And so one of the things we do is soldering the metal that holds the frame together. And so I'll have people at work ask me, they're like, hey, how do you do this? And I'm like, okay, you do it like this. And then I'm like, what am I doing differently from them? How am I making this work? And it bugs me when I can't figure it out. I'm just like, I know I'm doing this right. I know I'm successful at this what's the difference uh, and it bugs me when i can't figure it out <laughs> yes yes it's, it's and that's right it's really a mystery like um success is a mystery uh i mean for for many people right success is a mystery but if you study the principles and apply them it's no longer a mystery right, right? it's um it's like, I mean, I play chess, that's my profession. And to an outsider, the whole game is a mystery. To me, it's still a mystery, but a lot of things are- To a different at, level. Different level, yes, yes. <laughs> like I, I will look at a position sometimes and be like, obviously, obviously you gotta play knight h7. What else is there, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> and then they come in and they're like, oof, bishop yeah. to- yeah. D8. Yes. Correct. <laughs> yes. So when you get a beginner, like somebody who's not been studying it as intensely, not been paying as much attention as me to the game, they you can ask them, hey, what, what move should you play here? They might mention 20 different moves, and none of them will be knight h7, the correct move. Right. To them, it's such a mystery. They haven't spent time studying it and really paying attention to it. Right. But when you do, right, that's, a, that's the mark of mastery. If you really study and pay attention to something, then things become obvious and simple. Usually that's how it works. So like, like basically like all of success, which looks like a mystery is just one idea, right? Which is strange. Like when I was studying Think and Grow Rich, uh, Napoleon Hill said, there's a secret in this book, right? And if you find it, it explains all of success, right? And so I was like, hey, what's the secret? You know, and I kept studying the book. The book has 13 chapters. It's a long book, maybe 200 pages or more. It says all of, all of this book is meant to convey one idea, the secret to success. And it says out of 10,000 people, only one person knows the secret. Right. So of course, I'm studying the book, trying to figure out what the secret is. And it looks so complicated. But then one day I got it. I was like, oh, okay, it's all of it is just this idea. I'm like, wow. And it's super Not simple, isn't it? Yes. It's super simple, isn't it? Yes. Yes. It's, it, it explains all of success and failure at the same time. Right. 
and it has nothing to do with intelligence. People keep thinking, like, like let's say when people think about money, they think about you gotta be intelligent. No, you don't have to be intelligent. You gotta know the right people. No, you don't have to know the right. You gotta work hard. No, it's not that. It's not that you gotta be honest. It's good to be honest, but hard work and honesty are not the recipe for success. It's just what like people who never studied success. Maybe you look at successful people, and then they kind of come in two minutes. You ask them, "Hey, why do you think these people are successful and you're not?" Well, because they work hard. That's it. They work harder than me. But that's the result of no thinking at all. If you go deeper, it's not even that stuff at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a beginner to intermediate chess player. I'm not sure where exactly I fall. <laughs> I, you, you play on Lee chess or? Say, say again. You play online and there's, a, there's many sites. I don't sites play on online. I usually only play in person. But during that two-year mission I was on, I would occasionally play with other missionaries. And I had very mixed results. There was some uh, women that had never played chess before in their life, which just surprised me. Like, I, I couldn't comprehend someone not knowing how to play chess at the time. Um, so I tried to teach both of them and I had to keep correcting the legal moves. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one person won because the other person left their, yeah, they left their king in an illegal position. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> this game would have been over so long ago if you just, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it was painful to watch. <laughs> but yeah. almost every missionary I played, all, all the guys... I like just, you know, whooped them. And this one night I was journaling about the day while playing because I was that far ahead of everyone until I came across this one guy that was about my same skill level. And I only realized that too late after I, and that I put the journal aside and it's like, okay, I got to pay attention now and paid attention too late. Yeah, too bad. To win. You snooze, you lose. Gotta be alert. Right. This other guy, though, he beat me in like 19 games in a row, and then I finally won one. And it was like, okay. <laughs> okay, this feels great. But wow, that was painful to get through. <laughs> yeah, 19 games. Most people would not go six games. They'll quit after six. Yeah, well, I lived with them, so it was easy to keep going, but I, I was a glutton for punishment at the time. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's a brutal... And, and it comes down to, I don't know what I did differently. I, he might've been just a little bit less attent. Might've been more tired than me. I might've been more attent. Like you've been saying, I was successful, but I didn't know what I did. Yeah, yeah. In the other case, I was unsuccessful. I know why. It was because I was distracted. And, and you know, all these things come together. It's like, okay, if you're distracted, it's not going to work. If you're attent, Okay, what well, are you being attentive to the right things? Yeah, it, it, it all comes together. All right, I could pick your brain for hours. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I, I mean, look, this this is a, a, a topic I enjoy a lot. I mean, it's 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 my job, and uh, I also I just study it daily, 
And I study it to help my clients, but I also study it because, you know, I have a dream in chess and, and this stuff is really important to help me become a better player. Cause like you're saying, it's a brutal game. Oh, yeah. Like there are certain days I wake up and, and certain days I wake up and my practice sessions go excellent. Just everything is connecting. I'm playing brilliant moves. I won every game that day. And then there's other days where the opposite will happen. Just defeat after defeat after defeat. And the mind is saying, hey, you know, maybe maybe you're not good at this. And I say, I reject that. I reject that. But that's because of the studies. No, no, no. Right. And in a way, I feel like chess is a better place to learn about success. Because... What I've seen, and I haven't been in the community very deeply at all, but what I've seen is that with chess, it's, hey, if you're facing against better players than yourself, you're learning and you will get better. Obviously, there's the intentionality and the paying attention to what is happening and not happening aspect that gets you deeper and on a higher level with your comprehension. But if you're playing better players, you're getting better, which is part of the reason I was able to go through those 19, give or take a handful games <laughs> until I finally had the one where I beat them. And then I'm like, okay, a little bit of a break. And then I went to a different area. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like you know, chess is one of those games where it helps you to build that attitude of success. Because you're like, hey, yes, I'm always yes. going to learn more. I'm always going to get better as long as I'm paying attention. Correct. Uh, I think, and the other really cool thing about chess is um, it teaches you immediately. Like you begin to see the difference between you and stronger players. Yeah. So for example, when I work with my, I have two chess coaches, but when, when I work with any of them, right? They play, they play at a higher level than me, right? They play much better than I do. And I noticed that the difference between me and them is just the way they think. I can see that clearly on the chessboard. So I look at a position and I'll say, oh yeah, I think here we should really protect the H2 pawn. And the coach is like, yeah, let's sacrifice it. It's irrelevant. Uh, Let him take it. What we're going to do is the king is exposed. Let's attack that. The pawn is irrelevant in the grand scheme of things. So the difference is just in the way we think. And Chess helps you to see that just um, your performance, your results on the chessboard are a direct product of how you think. That's it. And there's nobody else to blame on the chessboard. You can't blame the government or society. It's no, no. You can't blame the pieces even. No, no, right. The rules are clear. And if you lose, it's because you did not think properly. Right. And also the other important thing is it shows you the emotional side of it. The, the, the impact of emotions. Right? Oh, yeah. So your emotional state is key. Uh, if I'm feeling sad or depressed for some, for example, sometimes let's say I've lost three games in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Back to back defeats. Right? You could now go I'm feeling an easier opponent the next time and still lose. That's true. Yes. Sometimes I will make a move. Uh, I'll start making risky moves. And from the outside, it might look, well, you know, I'm very confident. Uh, it's because I'm very confident I'm taking risks. But then I realized, no, 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 it's actually despair. I've stopped caring. I'm like, I don't care if I win or lose. I'm not going to think anymore. 
I'm going to lose anyway, so why be so careful? I'll just sacrifice the queen or whatever. Right? So it, it just it shows the connection between results and thinking, results and thinking and your emotions. And life is exactly the same way, actually. Your life is an exact mirror. Your life is a mirror. It's an exact reflection of the way you think and how you feel. Most people, uh, and they think there's so many factors involved. It's the government. My life is the way it is because of the government. It's because of my education. It's because of my parents. Not really. Your life is the way it is because of the way you think. If you change the way you think, the results will change for sure. There's no way you can change the way you think and your life remains the same. Can't happen. Mm-hmm. Right? And everything is your fault. So just just makes it clear, but one of those hard pills to swallow. (laughs) But the sooner you swallow it, the sooner you will be in control of your life. Yes, yes, you're right. Yeah. Uh, It's funny as you're detailing out the, I think I should protect the pawn at H6. And I'm like, I I, want to play you at this point, but I know you'll cream me. (laughs) We should play. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Why not? I'm down. And I can tell, I've noticed when I play chess, I almost never have a plan. Usually my plan consists of eliminate all their pieces except the king and then put them on the back line with a rook and a queen or some other pincer checkmate. And I'm like, noticing even just with other people a little bit more advanced than me, that they're trying to checkmate me as I still have more than half my pieces on the board. And I'm like, I really need to learn a lot more in order to play this better. (laughs) Yes, yes, right. Yeah, because they know the goal, right? The goal is mate. The goal is to checkmate. They're always focused. The stronger players are always focused on the goal. And um, about plans, that's a funny thing, right? Like complete beginners, right? Complete beginners in chess think that um, like a grandmaster, right? Like really strong players uh, basically have a plan from the beginning to the end. Like they, they've foreseen it all. They've seen it all. Right. That's what they show in the movies. Uh, but actually, if you get into the game and pay more attention to it, you realize, oh, no, actually... The chess player is uh, an opportunist sometimes, and there are many positions where you don't have a plan. It's not necessary to have a plan, and the plan is always changing. Right. Let's say I decided, oh, I'm going to attack that pawn because it's weak. But then the opponent makes a move, and it's like, oh, the king is exposed. So I abandon my plan of getting the pawn, and I now focus on the king. It's, it's more like you're, you have a, you, maybe you can have an idea of what you want to do, but it keeps changing depending on the reality yeah and that's how life works it's a fluid plan as it were we're it's not necessarily a set plan it's a strategy and it's yes it keeps changing it keeps here's my goal right and what many objectives can i take in order to get me closer to that goal yes 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 plans should always change this is a lesson for success in general the goals remain the same. Goals should never change or your dream should remain the same. The only thing that changes are plans. Right. Yeah. Most yeah. people, 
Yeah, just after the plan doesn't work, change the goal, which is lack of focus, recipe for failure. Yeah, lack of focus and lack of determination. Yeah. And that early give up attitude of like, oh, well, it didn't work. Obviously, it's not meant for me. Obviously, I'm not meant for this. Obviously, God it's didn't want me to have this. Obviously, and it's like, does it ever occur to you? Maybe the answer isn't obvious. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And you know, success gets lip service. It's a lot of lip service. Uh, um, I, I think one way, maybe not that exact point, to, but to illustrate another point of success, I've got a vision board, and each episode I share a vision board success. This week's vision board success was to get a new cell phone. Mm-hmm. And oh. um, so I set the goal and put it on my vision board. Well, actually, I didn't even set this one on my vision board. I just wrote it down on the whiteboard for things that would go on my vision board next. <laughs> so I didn't even get it on the vision board, but I put it on that um, whiteboard on the 1st of November in 2020. And then June 29th of 2021. So just a little bit more than six months later, I got it off my vision. Well, I put it on my vision board and took it off because I had accomplished it. <laughs> um, nice. But I, I, I was very, I wasn't very focused on it. And yet in the back of my mind, each time I would pull out my phone and it would be slow or the memory would be full or any of the other things I was like, I need a new phone. And then I would accompany you with, I'm going to get a new phone soon. I didn't know how, I didn't know when, I didn't know what model. And it came to a point where I was like, okay, I should start looking for a new phone. This was maybe a month or two before I got the goal, got my new phone. And I was just like, okay, I know I'm going to get a Samsung, but like, I don't even know which models are the best ones right now. And then this opportunity came up where the carrier I have was like, hey, we're giving away these phones for really cheap. If you do such and such a thing, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like basically super drawn out, very low payment, something where they had a huge discount on it as well. And it was like, yeah, we want one moment. Home. Yeah. One moment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Huh? Ghana's okay, this thing. Was okay, then. Okay, don't want to know. All right. No worries. I'm back. It was my uh, aunt. Okay. Um, She's going to church. Go to church. Awesome. <laughs> um, but yeah, and so. I think what it was is they were trying to get people to try out 5G. And so they were giving it out like super cheap. And I was just like, okay, like, not sure how I feel about 5G exactly, but it's a new phone and okay, let's go with it. And so the opportunity came to me and I was like, yes, accept. And 
you know, for some people, that's a huge thing. For me, it was a pretty big thing, not like earth shattering, but it was like, hey, like, I now have a much better, much faster, more reliable phone, which is awesome. Yes, yes. And you learned the, yeah, yeah, of course. And, and you learned the principles of, um, like, I think, I mean, the, the, the creator, whatever force it is that's behind nature, uh, Kanda is really smart, oh, yeah. very efficient. Oh, yeah. So, for example, like the, the principles of success are hidden in every success. Like even the simplest success, like getting a phone or as simple as the bathroom. Yeah. All the principles of success are stored in that idea. I have a clear goal. I'm going to the bathroom, right? Start the clear goal. Right? And there's a desire to go there. This desire might be burning depending on how badly I need to go. And right. Right. How, 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 <laughs> how urgent the, is the that calling? <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. The more the desire, the more I'm willing to do anything to get. So look at the, the other principle has come out of burning desire and then a plan. Yes, I'm going to walk to this door and open it and get in. There's a clear plan. Or and if then, you're out and about, oh, there becomes a lot more thinking. And yes. where if you, is there a bathroom? <laughs> yes, correct, correct, correct. And there's persistence, of course, right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to say, And, and well, if the door's locked because someone else is there, you're like... Correct, correct. And, and if, if, let's say, they, it becomes clear that they're not going to open the door, you're not going to say, well, it's all right, I'll accept this condition. No, you'll find an alternative, right? If worst comes to worst, do it on the floor. You're, you're <laughs> right. not going to give up on your goal, right? Yeah, yeah or can, no, or... <laughs> <laughs> well, like, it's, yes, yes, yes. So the, the, the principles are hidden. Or getting a girl, that's a powerful one. Oh, yeah. So like some guys will tell me, you know, I'm, I have no motivation. I have no discipline. I say that's, that's nonsense. You, it's impossible because the same guy who's undisciplined and motivated can't wake up early. If they like a girl, they're going to apply all the principles. They're going to wake up early. They're going to find out where she lives, how to talk to her. Uh, they're going to have a friends. plan. Yes, yes. If, if, if uh, they're going to consult with their buddies to figure out how to get her, right? And uh, they tell me, oh, I'm not persistent. I have a weak will. I say, really? The girl says no, but you keep going. So you have no problem. Your problem has nothing to do with discipline. It's just you don't have clear goals and your desire is not strong enough. That's your problem. It has yeah. nothing to do with not being disciplined and not, none of that. Well, and the other thing there too, going back to that point I made earlier about an expert, the guy is going to go to his buddies that either has had a girl, has a girl, or knows who has a girl and say, hey, what worked for them? And, you know, the average guy might not do that, but the guy who has a little bit more of an idea of, hey, I actually want this to work out, is going to figure out who's had it work in the past. That's a really good example. Yes, it's it's simply a question of desire. That's all. 
It's, uh, I mean, one way to look at it is just the guy that goes the longest is the guy that wants it the most. That is just a desire problem, right? Um, so people never have discipline problems. What they have is desire problems. And if you can figure out how to build a desire, then you could do anything. The discipline is a natural consequence of desire. You never need to work on discipline. Just work on getting a stronger and stronger desire. And the way you do that is by paying attention to the thing over and over. So one strategy, for example, I use is a goal card. So I'll get a card and I'll write down exactly what I want. And I'll read that card every day, multiple times a day. And maybe I start out unmotivated. I don't really want to do it. But you keep reading a card 10 times a day. The same thing. I have a new phone. 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 And you keep doing that. Your desire for a new phone increases. And one day you find yourself asking, well, what kind of phone do I want? Right. <laughs> That's a function of the desire. It's pushing you to be more specific and so on. Yeah. yeah it, Actually, you I, don't need to teach people the principles of success. Yeah, if I'd had more desire from the get-go, I would have had it on my vision board and I would have gotten it maybe a couple months earlier. Yes. And yeah, I, I like that desire. It's the why. Yeah. What's yes. your why? Yeah. Yeah. And so this was actually vision board number 48 that I had, so... I've desired more than a few hey, things. Good. Yeah. <laughs> and that's only been within the past six years. So, you know, averaging eight per year currently. Achieving eight things within a vision per year? Yeah, uh, averaging. Yeah. And I, technically two years are out of that because part of that was that two-year mission and I actually had a different vision board there. So 12, one a month. Nice. <laughs> and Very good. the more recently they've gotten bigger and i still try to make sure i'm having small things so that i keep that momentum but I, i'd say for the listener just remember like you if you have the desire you can do it you can build up that motivation you can focus in and achieve a lot of things yeah yes yes yeah, and there's, uh, that's right. Uh, there's a science to how to build a desire. There's a technique that never fails. There's a method process for building desire that never fails. Advertising companies are based upon it. So in that sense, you don't need to, you don't need to worry. Your success is guaranteed, right? You don't need to, like... This is something I wanted to say before we got a bit in a different direction. Um, it, it's not necessary, actually, if you go deeply, it's not necessary to teach somebody the principles of success or how to succeed. If they have, the, if they have a strong enough desire, they will apply the principles automatically. This is, again, what happens when you study success and apply it. You realize how simple it is. Um, all this stuff we're talking about, like, I mean, like we're talking about a girl, a guy who's after a girl, let's say, he really wants this girl, right? Maybe he never learned that you need to have a plan, that you need to have a team, mastermind principle, 
never learned that. <clears throat> Maybe never learned the importance of having specialized knowledge, right? Organized knowledge to help you achieve your objective, right? He knows nothing about faith, all these principles, none of them. But because his desire to have the girl is so strong, he will apply those principles anyway. He will have a plan, he'll have a clear objective, he'll have faith that it's going to happen, he'll persist, he will create a team around him of friends or the girl's friends to help him figure out what flower to buy or whatever. So <laughs> I just had one of those huge epiphany moments. Oh. I was just thinking a lot of guys the quote-unquote only notable thing they've done in their life is gotten an amazing wife, right? And then I'm like, huh. Went a couple different thoughts there. And then it was like, whoa. Going back to what you said earlier about kids dream big. We have our dreams crushed so young. And any hope of being able to take that desire to fruition. Whoa. That's deep. You know, some of you guys listening haven't gotten the girl, haven't gotten the guy yet. There's something you've done. If you did it once, you can do it again. Reach in and find that desire as hard as it is because nobody can tell you what you can and can't do unless you let them. Wow. Yes, there is, um, there is uh, in the human being, we have an intelligence working in the human being that is indescribably powerful. It's capable of turning. If I eat a banana right now, if I eat a banana right now, within two to three hours, that banana is going to turn into the physical body. That's a miracle, right? There is no, there's no factor in the world. The, most, the smartest person on the planet is not capable of taking a banana or a piece of bread and turning it into the physical body. And yet there's an intelligence within all of us that does that every single day routinely. Right. This intelligence, if you go deeper, has, pays no attention to precedent. It is not limited by precedent, what's come before, what's been done, nothing. It, it doesn't care about that stuff. And the funny thing is that this intelligence is your slave, which means that it will do whatever you ask it to do. So, but, it, but you're gonna know how to talk to it. And it only listens to clear images that are repeated over and over and over and over again. If you feed it anything, even if it's never been done before and you continue to believe that it's gonna happen, it, it must happen, right? This intelligence turns a banana into a human being, uh, causes plants to grow, causes the waterfalls, causes the motion of the planets, created the entire universe. Your goal in comparison to running the universe is nothing. 
And this intelligence is your slave. It wants you to succeed. But you gotta tell it. You gotta tell it what you want. I'm just kind of, I think I'm in a little bit of overload mode at the moment, just from all of the amazing things we've just been talking about. Part of it might be that it's currently past 1030 my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> already had a big full day, but, uh, you know, there's that desire in me to do whatever it takes to keep talking here because I'm learning so much. <laughs> and then, well, I'm, like glad. Said, I'm glad like, I could be of service. <laughs> like you said as well, there's the sometimes you need a fast and digest. <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to finish this. This has been so awesome. <laughs> but, you know, if you wanted Coach Madja, we could do a bonus episode if you'd be down for that. Oh, yeah, sure. I'd, I'd be down for it. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, I, I really don't want to say it's time to wrap this up because it's been so good. <laughs> My mind's like, um, it's time. I'm like, no, no, there's so much more. <laughs> but then the part of me that's the podcast host is like, okay, if I'm getting overwhelmed, <laughs> the people listening, you got you got to care for the listener too. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Okay. Well, I guess it's about time we wrap up then, which pains me to say, but it's been amazing. Um, I think I do want to ask, though, are there any loose ends you wanted to tie up or any other thoughts you wanted to share before we finish and ask you where people can find you at? Well, just um, maybe this is to the listener. Um, I mean, if you're like most people, there is this dream, this idea that comes to your mind once in a while, it comes to your mind of something you want to do. And then because you're afraid, you quickly shut it down and say, no, 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 it's not practical, not realistic tomorrow, next week. Uh, I just want the listener to know that whatever it is that's coming up, maybe it's been coming up since they were a kid, they can do it. And the very fact that they can think the thought is evidence that they can do it. And they should really pull out that thought. Next time it comes up, don't shut it down. Pull it out, really examine it, pay attention to it. And if you pay enough attention to it, it must happen. And if you don't know how, you can figure out how. If you don't know how long, you'll, it, it will happen eventually. You just got to keep pushing. Yeah. I think that's really awesome the way that you say that the very fact that you're thinking it is evidence it can happen. And I've thought about this example for the better part of the episode that the four minute mile, everyone said it was impossible. 
until one guy dreamed up and said, you know, let's do it. As soon as he did it, boom, there's like a hundred other people within that same year. And since then, thousands upon thousands of people have run a four minute mile. You know, everyone might've said it was impossible. And I don't know the guy's name, but whoever that was, was just like, let's do it. And it got done. And it became evidence then. Yeah. Correct. And, you know, tomorrow, next week, next month, by the end of the year, next year, there's going to be more ideas that someone came up with, dreamed up, People told them that it was impossible and they're going to prove it a reality tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. And, you know, who's to say that idea isn't yours? It's yours. It's your idea. That's the one that's going to happen next. Pull it into your desire. Okay. That completes that that diagram example I gave earlier, where you have the dream and the vision and the goal and the plan. And I had a hunch that the dream wasn't it. It's the desire before that. Yeah, that's cool. That's what keeps it going through the whole process. Man, I feel like we, (laughs) for me at least, I feel like we only brushed the surface. I feel like we kind of just covered the milk. Uh, I know we could go so much deeper. But then again, this is is for a a podcast where anyone can listen and hopefully gain something from the (laughs) get-go. But, man, even just what we covered, still learned a lot. Awesome. Well, Coach Madja, if people wanted to find out how to work with you or play chess with you or find out more about you, how could they do that? All right. So, yeah. So, basically, I do have um, a, a few spots on my calendar available uh, for a free 30 minutes online Live Your Dream chat. So, um, in this chat, we could figure out uh, exactly get a better idea of what your dream is. We could figure out exactly what is stopping you, uh, the hidden challenges that might be stopping you from achieving it. And you leave the session renewed, re-energized, inspired uh, to finally, you know, give this dream a try and make it happen. So, um, I mean, I'm very busy, but I do have about seven slots available, guaranteed slots available for this. So the first seven people to reach out to me would be the first I would be guaranteed a spot. Uh, and the way to reach out to me is just uh, send me an email, uh, mojaiso at gmail.com, M-O-D-J-A-I-S-O at gmail.com. But Benjamin, you could r- put it in the description, right? The yep. email address. Yep. I'll, get, I'll get that in the description just to make sure we don't have to rely on the audio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as clear as that was to me, 
you know, you get the voicemail and they're like, call me back at 801-867-5309. And you're just like, wait, I didn't catch that. <laughs> yes. All right. And now I got to replay it. Right. And if it's a phone number, maybe you can't even replay it. I don't know. Yeah. Right. Especially yeah. they say it fast. I'm going to make sure to get that. I, I'm going to be one of those seven, just so you know. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Well, I'm glad I can be of value. Yeah. Man, I just... Oh, so much. I'm just... As much as I help people get inspired to live their dreams, I know I'm not living the whole of mine. Which becomes a really interesting thing. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> um, and one question on that, um, that sounds like it's for the next little bit from right now when we're recording this and when the episode will come out, but do you imagine that as people listen to this episode throughout the months and years ahead, that you'll still have some of those slots available every now and then? Yeah, yeah. So it, it will all depend. So if they reach out to me, uh, maybe I, I will have a spot and that, uh, or even if I don't have a slot, I'd still be able to talk to them and help them at least for half an hour. Yeah. But if I do have slots, yeah, why not? Awesome. Yeah. Well, even if you're listening to this down the line, little ways from when this was recorded and published, sounds like Coach Moja will make time for you with what he has available. So I think that's awesome. And yeah, I think that's about it. Just desire is the key. <laughs> Rewrite your stars, gain that desire. Figure out where you stowed it away in yourself. Pull it out, give it a test run again. And if you don't have anything else to share, and we'll see you next week. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Well, that's all I can say. Thank you very much for having me on, Benjamin. This was a lot of fun talking to you. Uh, yeah, which was a great pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Coach Moja. All right.